I told the story of how I was really challenged to give quite a bit to ministry in the city. We're gathered in a meeting and the speaker, a guy called Chi and had said, look, you guys need to give, give to the city. This is not to the church, it's not to me. And I told the story on Sunday of how within a few days, this guy I knew from school phoned me up and said, do you still have an old mini? Do you sell it? And he gave me a figure for it, which was twice what we had given on that particular night. Story updated from Sunday. So somebody else in the church said, when you spoke in 2016 about giving, they had said, right, I'm gonna to give to the church. I'm gonna just sort of break something of this mentality. When they did that, they ended up getting a tax rebate and they said, I need a car. And the kind of car I would really like is a mini. Welcome to the Calling a City to Life podcast produced by Queen's Park Baptist Church here in Glasgow. Each week we publish two episodes and many of you listen to the first ones. The first is the audio from our teaching last Sunday. The second is a reflective conversation on that teaching. We have with us this morning Ian, our senior pastor. Say good morning, Ian. Hello there. And we have Brody all the way from driving from down south to here up north. Our community missions pastor. Say good morning, Brody. Good morning, everyone. And myself, I'm Richard, and my co-host, Jackie. Say good morning, Jackie. Good morning, Jackie. Excellent. It's always good to have somebody do it that way around. Last week it was Ian, this week it's you. Doesn't get old. Uh, It doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. That's really the point. So this week, the passage was 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 7. And in the same way that Ian started the sermon saying, yeah, this is a sermon on giving and this is difficult, Yeah, thanks, Ian, for making our second podcast also a podcast on giving, because that's not a challenge at all, (laughs) launching people in gently. My pleasure. The podcast is the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Oh, the boom. Here all week. (laughs) So, Ian, as a punishment, you will be responsible for giving us the 60-second or less summary without hesitation, repetition, or asking for anything. So, on your marks, get set, go. Oh, just simply, God has lavished his gifts of himself on us. He's inducted us into his heart, which is the heart of giving. So, become like him and be a giver with all that you have. And your resources are more than just your financial resources. The the scope of God's generosity to us is far larger than our wallets. So, use what you have. Excellent. Good summary. Yeah, that is a good summary. So, Brody, last week we talked some about cultural differences. And my question to you this morning is, is it more difficult to talk about giving in Scotland, possibly even the west of Scotland, than it is in other parts of the UK? You don't have to agree. You've got an out there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess my out is I've only ever lived in Scotland, so I don't know what it is like to talk um, about giving in uh, other cultures. People tell me that, I, I think it's perhaps more of a British thing than 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 a Scottish thing. There certainly is kind of like uh, a reservedness, isn't there, about talking about money in in general. So it is a, it is a you know, a difficult conversation. It's, it's if you're down the pub, don't talk about religion, politics or money. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, a, there's an element of uh, of that, I guess some of it might be actually kind-hearted. Of we don't want to cause embarrassment or offence, but at the same time, we have a fellowship fund in the church, and sometimes we don't always know who needs 
help from that fellowship fund because we're not good about talking about money. We're not good at kind of like saying, do you know what? Actually, I'm I'm struggling just now. I could do with some, uh, some help, and um, because we see that as some kind of failure rather than we're part of a a bigger system and 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 life is is hard. So yeah, my suspicion is that we're not good at, at talking about it, but have not lived anywhere else. I don't have a great feel for that. Ian, would you agree? Yeah, I think we have a, a propensity to keep our financial resources as a private matter in in this part of the world and other contexts I've been in, people perhaps have been a little bit more open and uh, perceiving that what they have is not just for them, but other people might have a call to speak into that uh, situation in a way that we really don't in this part of the world see as being appropriate. So I think we're much more uh, culturally private and and personal. We even talk about personal finances, don't we? And when we talk about personal finances, it's all quite quite secretive. So I, I think we do have a particular a cultural perspective on it. I guess if you go to many different places, there are different specific cultural issues and challenges that people have. But I think there's also, even if you look at the text, I mean, clearly there there were cultural differences um, in diff- between Corinth, for example, that Paul is addressing here and, and asking to be generous, and the Macedonian churches who have already given freely and generously. And he's, he's almost using their testimony as an example to propel the Corinthian churches to become a little bit more generous and liberal with what they have. So I guess we just kind of see that that everywhere. And I think part of the way in which different cultures can uh, contribute to one another is, is just by the way in which God's grace is manifest very differently. And because of that, we can be inspired and encouraged by what we see God doing in other people and places. Last week, Brody, you treated us to two Greek words. This week, Ian treated us to three. So Ian is currently three two up in the Greek word stake. That's why he's the senior pastor. <laughs> Brody is somehow losing the Greek word count at the moment on the podcast. I'm shocked, Brody. Your your New Testament lecturers would be ashamed of you. <laughs> we don't do shame. Yeah, okay, fair enough. We don't do shame. We'd be we'd be disappointed. No, we don't be disappointed either. Anyway, the point is there were some Greek words this week, Ian. One of which is handily written right across the big stained glass window that sits behind you as you're preaching. Tell us about the context of the three words that you focused us in on this week. First of all, let's just say preaching is non-competitive. So let's (laughs) not just get into that. Um, Principally, I'm underlining that using the Greek word that I'm just about to introduce, which is the word grace or charis, which just speaks of God's gift. Well, the fact, I think, fundamentally, that that God is a giver before you even think about what God gives, that God, Father, Son, and Spirit is fundamentally generous by nature. And and we enter into the experience of that when we encounter God. You know, it's like coming into contact with somebody who is an absolutely magnanimous person who is constantly giving. That rubs off on us. So God's character as a giver is the character that rubs off on us and that we become like him. So it's not that God is kind of pleading on us to become something. It's actually that in association with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we become like him. I would become like him in our giving, which is the word charis. 
Here, here's the thing. I mean, there are actually three very familiar or common words that appear in lots of places in the New Testament, and Paul uh, adopts them here. Yeah, the second one is the word diakonia, which is about service, just a very straightforward, simple word that talks about uh, helping people, serving in humility for the, the practical needs of others. And then the third one is the word koinonia, which speaks of partnership and cooperation in terms of sharing resources and, and working together for God, God's purposes. So how does that lot combine together to actually aid us in being better givers? Is it all three of these things combined? Is there a particular focus on an order or a sequence? Well, I guess I took a sequence which was slightly different in order from the sequence that Paul has them in. But um, anyway, there we go. Um, Preaching not competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th I think my main point is that this is a virtuous circle. So it doesn't really right. matter where you take any, though there is a sense in which it all starts in grace, in God's giftedness towards us, which then produces a mentality. I would suggest of service. So we are other centered. We're centered on using our resources to support and to encourage and to call out the abilities and gifts of others. So we serve in order that others might flourish. And then the third word is fellowship. And I think it's really quite interesting. A lot of the, there's actually a lot of recent research on the word grace and what that means. It actually can mean a whole panoply of things. I think it's mentioned something like 10 times in this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And actually it starts with grace. And interestingly, in 2 Corinthians 9, it ends with Eucharisto, which is the word thanks, which is the same kind of root. So it begins in grace and ends in thanks, which is really quite a, a lovely way of thinking of this passage. Did you see that, Brody? That's 4-2 now. You know, I just snuck in a, a little extra time header there. <laughs> As I say, it's not it's not competitive. But my point is is more that there's a circulation yeah. of grace, and a lot of um, people think now that this whole idea of giving, which we see in the New Testament, is not just that you give without any kind of expectation of return, but giving there's an expectation of connection and relationship that comes mm. out of giving. And giving brings unity, it bonds relationships. And it's interesting that Paul talks about that here, that this yeah. giving, which is, is really just a, a collection and offering for a particular uh, Christian community from other Christian communities. And these other communities are not necessarily physically close to the others, but actually this gift on this giving brings them into relationship more closely. And so it produces fellowship. So a great starting, I guess, in grace, outworked in service to others. And the fruit of that is a, a bonding together in, in mission and ministry and unity. That's really interesting because what it makes me think is that when you relate giving to the fact that it does actually result in something, as in increased fellowship, relationship, service, etc. That kind of speaks against maybe sometimes the opposite that what we hear, especially in a Scottish context about giving, in that it should be painful. In that, on the one hand, there's you don't give and you're not involved. And on the other hand, you can give, but it's, it's going to hurt, you know, and you've got to be quiet about it and uh, say nothing. It's going to be entirely private and your own thing between you and God. Whereas what you're actually saying is there's more consequence to it than that. There is actually this virtuous circle that if you break into it by going, well, I'm going to serve 
even though I don't feel very graceful or in fellowship, that actually that results in you entering into more grace, entering into fellowship. If I break into the virtuous circle at fellowship, then it completes and goes round and, and brings a result and a growth. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it that actually for anybody who's trying to say, how do I get started or how do I grow and develop in this, you can break in at any point. You know, so stepping into fellowship, you then start to realise, gosh, these people are reaching out towards me. Might not be financially, but they're reaching out with, you know, big heartedness, welcoming it. So I want to contribute to that. I mean, actually, even in, in church, one of the things that we have sort of tried to do over the years to help people to engage is to offer some basic, simple acts of service. So our service teams, which welcome people into church on a Sunday morning, we often can see that as a first step with the view that actually serving on the door or welcoming people actually draws people into relationship. Mm. You know, so I've turned up some Sunday mornings to be welcomed by somebody I'd only met a few days before. I mean, that's happened a few times. And I'm walking in and they go, who are you? And I go, well, who are you? <laughs> well, it's good. You know, you've stepped into the circle of connection by starting to serve and to give. And, and I think that does it produces that fruit of relationship, which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. You went from there, Ian, to you use the Francis Bufford quote from the book Unapologetic. And I am not going to apologize now for repeating the quote because I think it's worth repeating. Behave as if nothing you gave away could make you poorer because you can never run out of what you give. Behave as if you didn't have to hold anything back. Don't grip your life with tight, anxious hands. Unclench those fingers. Let it go. God doesn't want your careful virtue. He wants your reckless generosity. And honestly, I actually almost felt like I could have cried on Sunday morning with that quote. I think it's absolutely amazing and incredibly powerful. But if we have a poverty theology, how realistic is it for us to simply decide to become extravagant givers without first discovering that God is actually trustworthy enough? Because when I hear that quote, I wonder about how much our life experiences have led us to believe what we believe about God and his provision and how we go about starting to unravel why we think the way we do. Because I guess my fear is that we make people feel ashamed for their poverty mindset or ashamed for what we perceive as being miserly and that there's a danger that people feel that it's just their behavior that needs modified. And I know Brody you said last week, this is not behavior modification. It's rather understanding that God as a father actually wants to heal our hearts in the process of all of this, that he actually wants us to find joy in giving. Yeah, I would want to say my experience is that you tackle it on every level where it exists. Yeah. So I think there is a coming to understand that God's posture towards us is one of favor and one of fruitfulness, that he is not seeking to diminish us mm -hmm. um, or to deprive us, but to resource us so that we might be generous. And that's the mindset. And I guess there are things that need to be deconstructed um, around sort of false beliefs that exist within that area about who God is. Mm -hmm. I think what I described as a prosperity mentality is yeah. actually something that needs to be dismantled because I think it is prevalent. We perceive it to be something which is just about finance, but I think it's almost an equation which says if I do the right things or I manage to clamber up to some kind of ethical perfection, 
then when I get to that place, God will bless me and I will be able to bless others. So it's this equation of good works, really, you know, that if I do this and this and this and this, then I will find God's generosity. And I think that actually needs to be deconstructed. And I think some of it can be de deconstructed by our actions as well. And I think, you know, this would be my, you know, personal experience. You know, it's the whole thing about, you know, test the Lord in this and see if he proves faithful. Um, and that doesn't have to be, you know, the, you know, giving away everything that you have. It may just be that you begin to give in a particular way. So I think maybe if Let's just take the example of people who are, you know, students or something like that that does doesn't have don't have very much uh, spare cash. You know, that's a really good time to begin to to give proportionally and to give regularly, because it breaks the belief system which says I'm only going to give when I'm going to give when I've got enough to give. I'm going to give when I've paid the bills. I'm going to give when I... so I think there's a there are practical things that we can do that begin to break that mindset. Uh, but also it doesn't have to just be be money. I think just that the whole belief that we have nothing to give is larger than money. So, you know, there is a bit of just stepping out and saying, do you know what? I choose to believe that God has given me something which will be of benefit to others. Uh, and then just to step into that and to give. And, and, and so the mentality of giving can be built up as we give not only our money, but as we give our time, as we give the skill that we have or the resources that, that we have. So I think, yes, yeah, it's, it's a multi-factorial approach um, that we need to address. I think, Jack, as well, we've got to go back to um, Ian's or Paul's or whoever's it is, Virtuous <laughs> Circle. Um, and a key component in this is that Greek word that I struggle to say, which is why I don't use it very often, <laughs> kainonia, of that suggests... A, an embeddedness, a, a dependence upon each other, a, a sharing of resources, a living your life so that you can't live independent, no matter how wealthy or how poor you are, but that we need each other and the gifts that each other contribute. And I think in modern society, and this just isn't a, a Scottish thing, of that's incredibly hard to do because... You know, there isn't the steamy anymore where everybody's, you know, doing their washing together. You have your own washing machine. It's all, well, you know, personal computer, you know, personal this, personal that, that we've become so separated from each other. Today in Glasgow, what does Cognonia look like, that, that sharing with each other? And I think key to this, and again, it just in, in things that I've been reading recently of how hospitality was was such a key kind of like discipleship uh, fruit and practice and hospitality not just of you know having somebody around for dinner but being open to each other and in one sense we celebrate that to go where Paul goes at the Eucharist of when we are open to Christ and open to each other from we're giving thanks for his provision what that looks like concretely today I, I, I'm not so sure of what that looks like, but my hunch is that there is this element of of we need to be more open and, and generous um, of heart as as much as, as anything else, and that leads to those other things because we're held by God's provision for us. Just a little thought, which just to flip some of this on its head, which is that. There's a tendency for some of us to always see ourselves in the position of the benevolent giver. And actually, 
all of us, I think, need to see that we are this this spread of wonderful things to give, but also of things that we can't contribute. Mm-hmm. We have this perception, I think it's a very modern perception, that as a self, I should be competent with everything. And the consequence is that people cannot engage with me because I've got everything together. And that's kind of where I'm headed. So I'm going to be totally competent in myself and that and, and self-sufficient. And it actually takes quite a lot of vulnerability and I guess also faith to say that I have some weaknesses or I have some areas where your giftedness makes up for my weakness. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. That's also really hard to say. I did an exercise at one point about the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. And most people see themselves as being the Good Samaritan, who has resources to help the poor guy lying at the side of the road. Very few of us see us as the poor guy lying at the side of the road sometimes who needs help. And so I think that circulation of assistance requires all of us to acknowledge and be vulnerable that we are not super competent across everything or are super resourced across everything. And I think that helps that koinonia that, that Brody's talking about because we can share when we all have something to give and we all have something to receive. So just flipping it a little bit on its head. You spoke about prosperity theology and poverty theology. Is it the case that in some cases we need to be thinking a bit more poverty-minded and in some cases we need to be thinking a bit more prosperity-minded? Do we need a little bit of each of these or is it something different? I would suggest that both of those things are wrong and unhelpful uh, in terms of the way that I actually laid them out. So my definition was a prosperity theology is a thinking that abundance is a reward for certain achievements, that you do Mm -hmm. certain things, rather than something that starts in the abundance of God. And that poverty theology is a a belief that arises from, in some ways not so dissimilar, because it starts with this point of scarcity, that actually we aren't starting from a point of blessing and of grace, but from a position where we don't have, and we have to adjust our lives according to lack, rather than living in a position where we have abundance, which gets back to really what we understand God to be, whether we understand God as as a relationship to be achieved or as uh, as one who is already moving towards us in grace and in favour. And, and, and actually, I think that's, I mean, that's just such a massive thing across the board, I think, for everybody to, you know, the, the basics of we're saved by grace. It's just like, that's a lifetime it takes just for that to soak mm-hmm. into our souls. But it is actually far more transformative I think than we actually really believe yeah I think I guess with those two theologies there's there's a danger of seeing them at either end of a spectrum and then Mm. assuming that actually we need to find the middle position but the reality is that the spectrum is so far removed away from the way that we should be thinking at all that we're in a completely different position altogether thanks Jackie for summarizing what I was trying to say so well (laughs) no no it's great fantastic thank you so much yeah just throwing (laughs) a Greek word there Jack and you're sorted there's no chance of that happening absolutely none I am reminded though as we're talking and Ian with what you were just saying this reveals too much about my age but the West Wing that good old 90s show there's an episode where they're trying to develop a system of taxation and they make the point that if you're in a wealthier position and you're sitting devising a taxation system then you don't want to be paying an amount of tax and you're trying to set it up so that it that you are favored and the point they come around to is imagine that you had to develop a taxation system without knowing 
what your position of wealth would be when you were on earth what would it then look like because actually you might wake up and discover you're in the lowest bracket so therefore how do you want to be taxed and i think it's that really interesting point that you were making about poverty ian that actually we it's too easy for us to see ourselves as the people who are doing the giving when actually you have no idea when you're going to be in need from others I totally get that. But I think we're all people who have amazing gifts across the board, no matter you know what your income, financial income is. But also we are people who have needs and have imperfection. I mean, the whole image of the body in scripture is predicated on the fact that nobody is omnicompetent. Yeah. You know, that we all have something that you know, you have lots of things that I don't have. You know, Brody has lots of things that I don't have. Richard, well, I, who knows, really. <laughs> it's it's, it's um, annoying. <laughs> he, he keeps surprising us with various competencies and abilities that we don't know about. But um, yeah, so, but I think that's the thing that actually it takes, it takes the contribution of different gifts and abilities. I, and that's a wonderful thing because, you know, when you have that, you have something far larger than the sum of the parts. And I think as well within this, there's an aspect of when we are living out of God's abundance, that that's an act of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. um, because if you think of our whole financial system, whether, you know, it's the language of personal finance, but also it's predicated on scarcity you know, supply and demand, you know, we, we, we artificially in our economics make things scarce so that we can inflate the price of it. You know, OPEC turn the, the tap off and the oil so the oil price goes off. And therefore, when we live as God's people in fellowship and communion with each other, sharing with each other, we are witnessing to the powers we are doing spiritual warfare, saying this isn't how God intended us to live. And that goes for any economic, worldly economic system. Um, this isn't pitting kind of like capitalism against socialism or anything like that. God's economy, this this economy of communion, of grace, of love, of being a body is is not one or t'other of of those, but is kind of like what what you were saying about you know it's neither prosperity gospel or poverty mentality. It's it's on a completely different different plane. So without offending present company, I'd like to play a clip from one of my very favourite teachers. This is the wonderful Alan Jones speaking at Grace Centre a few years ago. Let's have a listen. All right, now let's play a game. I. Went to the bank this morning, thought I'd make it rain. I went to the bank this morning and I got a stack of 20s, which is for my second game. But what I forgot to get was a crisp $100 bill. Does anyone have a crisp $100 bill they can give me for a sermon illustration? You, sir, thank you so much. Yeah, that's a crisp $100 bill. A couple of questions. First question, can I keep it? I love this game. Okay, next game. Second question, was that easy to give me that $100? Yeah, it was. Why was it easy to give me that $100? Because I gave it to you. Before the service started, I said, hey, Matt, can you hold on to this? Because at some point, I'm going to need a sermon illustration. All you have to do is give it back to me when I ask for it. Right? Now, the point in doing that is to illustrate that tithing doesn't cost you anything because it's already his. You were just stewarding it. 
When I gave it to him about an hour ago, he was stewarding it for me until it was time to give it back to me. Now, what if Matt sat silent when I asked for it? And what if some of the other kind people were like, oh yeah, I've got $100. And Matt's like, ah, see, the Lord met Alan's prayer. (laughs) And what if Matt went home with it? What do we call that? Stealing, right. It's not forgetfulness. It's not absent-minded. It's not grace. It's theft. Okay, so to both of you, thoughts on the power of that demonstration if you'd given a hundred quid to somebody in queen's park to give back to you would you have got it back absolutely and <laughs> with with a bonus on top i'm sure it's it really makes the point doesn't it that actually all that we have fundamentally comes from god and mm-hmm. and, and when you change that mentality mm-hmm. it is very liberating so I actually recall I had a sabbatical a number of years ago. I was gifted with a wad of money and there was a little bit of condition on the money. I couldn't just use it on myself. I could use it for sabbatical purposes. And one of the things that I really felt I should do was to take people out for meals. It was such a joy. I mean, it was nice joy because I didn't have to earn the money. The money had been gifted, but it had been gifted so that I could give it. Mm. And it was such fun going out and taking people for meals and having wonderful conversations and then being able to pick up the tab and everything at, at the end. So there is something really joyful when you know that you've got a endless resource to be able to just give it away freely and then just see the effects of it all and to see the blessing. So I think there's a real, once you get into that mentality of, you know, this is never going to run out, God is always going to fill up, you know, it's that whole thing that actually, you know, in an economy of grace, what God gives, once you've given it away, it then kind of multiplies back to you. So actually the way that you get more is not by holding it on, but the way that actually all it circulates is by by giving it away. So yeah, I, I think the whole kind of thing of when we know that we've received freely from God's resources, we can't hold on to it tightly because that's theft. Um, but actually when we give it away, there's a real joy. And you could hear that in the clip as well, the kind of joy yeah. from that. Yeah, I think the challenge is with all of this that, that we, we narrow it down to money, mm. but it's it's everything, isn't yes. it? It's our time, it's the gifts that God has given us to contribute for the building up of of each other of of the body. It's it's how we speak to each other of you know uh, building each other up and 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 things like that of of not holding back. I'm the person who thinks of oh, I should have paid that compliment and the person's gone and it's too late. And you're like, oh, I missed that moment. I need to to grow in this and become better in this. But it's money and everything else. This is holistic rather than just money. Though money is kind of like, is it in some sense the, the barometer, the, the thermometer mm. of, of, of how we are at a depending on God's grace and his abundance and living lives of, of generosity is perhaps the the temperature taker of how we're doing in in those other areas of our our life as well. Ian, you had talked about giving prophetically on Sunday morning. And I actually, I was thinking it's really easy for us to get stuck in the, the direct debit giving. You know, we kind of check we're giving 
and and we don't make time or it's easy not to make time to be in a continual conversation with God about how do you want me to be giving? And I just wondered how important do you think it is that we are on a continual seeking of God's will for us or where he's asking us to sow into? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a combination. I I think there's a a whole piece where, you know, I think we are all mandated by scripture to give regularly, faithfully, proportionately to the community of people that we, we share life with. So I think that's, that's just the basic. And then beyond that, I think there's a real joy in giving when we are asking the Lord just to direct that. I, I'm sure many folks have stories of how that has actually um, occurred for them when they've been challenged or they've really sensed God saying, you need to give this to somebody. I mean, it would be really lovely. We kind of almost systematize giving uh, in the church. So we say, you give to us and then, you know, we'll discern, particularly with our fellowship fund, which goes to help people in hardship, you know, and... I guess Brody and I would like to be more prophetic about that because you don't know people's own personal circumstances, you know, but it's also helpful if other people can tell you where the needs are. But I think, you know, just even where you're sharing, in a sense, our collective resources uh, like that, and we've been able to bless people and, you know, it has just covered a particular expenditure. And that is just on the other end of that, it's a real encouragement for people. You know, when a gift comes in that confirms something or answers a prayer. And again, that sort of binds relationships. So, yeah, I I just think that getting into dialogue with God about what to give and when to give is Mm. can just be really fun. Um, yeah. and joyful yeah i think the other thing that's probably prophetic in our scott going back to you know what is being scottish and i guess not everybody's scottish but there's the giving joyfully but i think prophetically as well there's also receiving joyfully i think very often it comes back to this kind of like independent autonomous thing of of how do we receive gifts whether that's a compliment of richard you're looking fantastic this morning of of how do you receive that that gift of a, of a compliment and that that openness of I think that's I know that's something that I've had to work on I am still working on because I'm very often not good at receiving what people say and I think sometimes behind that is there that wow can God really love me mm-hmm. and actually receiving the father's father's love so I think giving and receiving they're, they're part they're two sides of the, the same, same coin, coin aren't yeah. they? So there is the, the, the working on giving, but also how we receive. Yeah, maybe just a little story. I don't know if this uh, cool. brings things to a, a little bit of a, a conclusion or a practical expression. Um, I told the story of how I was really challenged about 10 years ago in a service to give not quite everything that was in our bank account, but to give quite a bit to ministry in the city. And it was just one of these, we're gathered in a meeting and the speaker, a guy called Che An from Korean pastor from California, had said, look, you guys need to give, give to the city. This is not to the church, it's not to me, but give for the city. And we gave very significantly. And I told the story on Sunday of how within a few days, this guy I knew from school, never heard from in years and years and years, phoned me up and said, do you still have an old mini in your garage? And I said, yeah. And he said, would you sell it? And I said, yeah, my dad would be delighted to get some space in his garage. And he gave me a figure for it, which was twice what we had given on that particular night. But 
story updated from Sunday, <laughs> breaking news. So somebody else in the church said, do you know what? When you spoke, when I spoke in 2016 about giving, they had said, right, I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to just sort of break something of this mentality. I'm going to start giving or I'm going to give something more significantly. When they did that, they ended up getting a tax rebate and they said, I need a car. And the kind of car I would really like is a Mini. <laughs> and so they got a deposit for this Mini uh, as a consequence of beginning to sort out their finances. <laughs> so there's a, a kind of complete virtuous circle where my story of the Mini resulted out in somebody getting a brand new Mini, which um, is a bit more kind of fashionable than, than the old wreck that uh, I sold in my garage <laughs> for uh, a lot more money than I thought I'd get for it. Who thought British Leyland would be central to the gospel message? <laughs> there we go. Oh, no, my mini was pre-British Leyland. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff, great stuff. One final thing I would just like to ask about, because it was a word that had been mentioned, and I think it's uh, something that's worth touching on, also relates a bit to last week, is this word tithing. And interestingly, Ian, your preach touched on it, but on the basis that there was no particular call to a fixed percentage in terms of time or money or anything like that. And I just reflected that that was interesting in light of last week when we spoke about freedom and how some things would be so much easier if it just was a specific demand for a specific thing rather than up to us to decide between us, God, or family, or relationships, etc. So can you just unpack briefly before we finish a little bit about tithing and, and where that word, which is an incredibly loaded word to many people, actually fits in to this conversation? Yeah, it's a huge conversation, probably for another podcast. <laughs> I, I think... Um, Special episode coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think the whole tenor of, of the New Testament is about generosity rather than limitation. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the tithe limits our giving. It also possibly restricts it in terms of people thinking, you know, when I've given a certain proportion of money, job done. But I mean, even to get back to the illustration that we had earlier on about the $100 bill, mm -hmm. all that we have is from God. And all our resources are there at his disposal. So we need to assess, I'd suggest, all of our income, not just cutting off 10% or whatever. I, I think 10% is a good target. It is what God has laid down um, in terms of his people Israel in the Old Testament. That you can make all sorts of arguments about what that was used for or how that was used. But I think we are not mandated di directly in the New Testament encouraged to give proportional to what we uh, what we receive in terms of our income. I think 10% is is a good target, but we shouldn't stop there. I think we should give prophetically beyond that. We should give increasingly beyond that. And some people, you know, certainly would do that. So that's maybe just a kind of first bash at, at the question. But basically, it's a, it's, I would say it's a good place to start, good target to, to have, but it's not, it's not mandated in terms of you know, God's blessing comes if it's 10%. 
I'm sure God will bless you if you give 20% of your income. Excellent. Well, as we bring things to a close, we'd just like to encourage everyone that's listening. First of all, thank you for listening. Many of you have already, but we'd like to encourage you to get in touch in the same way that you heard some audio from Alan. We could also be hearing audio from you. So email office at qpbc.com. Org and just mark in the wee subject line podcast and if you've got a question then send it in if you happen to be listening to the show using the Spotify app you can also scroll down on the app and actually send us a voice message as well as pose a question via the app so if you think that you would like to hear your dulcet tones on this podcast then do send us in a question for us to handle in a future episode but it is that time for one final thing so first up this week oh who should we pick on Brody? give us your one final thing for this week i think just as ian was kind of like rounding things up nicely there and on, on, on tithing and whatnot 1 samuel 15 to be is better than sacrifice and what we need to be doing is just being in tune with God is, is what is it that I should give, whether that's money, time, etc., and, and step out in obedience to that. And that might be sacrificial, but it comes from that place of being obedient to what the Father's asking us to do. Great. Jack, one final thing from you? So I think for me, the thinking that all of who I am and all that I have doesn't belong to me is something that I really want to push into because... I feel that if I understand that I am resourced completely in him, then whether it's my time or my money, then I can't lack because I'm always connected into and resourced from him. Excellent. And Ian, you preached it, so you get the final word. Well, I'm going to give the final word to that quotation from Francis Spufford. Behave as if nothing you gave away could make you poorer. Excellent. And on that note, it's goodbye from all of us. Have a great week. See you again on Sunday. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.